Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. Actual thing, probably worth a Google. It is episode 275 of the podcast. Yes, yes, a little Lebowski Urban Achievers, and proud we are of all of that. Uh, I've got a, a, a full show to get to. I, I, we will be ending Act 1 in a way that I think you'll be very happy. I looked into the history of my town's movie theaters and discovered a, a, a war between two rival factions, and it, it's quite interesting. Oh, and um, we will be mentioning the Bay City Rollers a couple of times, so that's always fun. So... Let us get to it. Oh, uh, hold on. I got backgrounds. Kind of forgot about that. Because uh, we're doing so much of this live on Zoom now. Uh, come on. Settings. Settings. Hello? Everything is frozen. Bunny, can you still hear me? Okay. There you go. Yeah. Everything's fine now. You saw that happen? Okay, that was weird. All right, uh, podcast number one. Okay, that looks horrible. I don't have a green screen. There you go. Okay, that's better. Buddy! Yes! Boy, howdy! Yowza, yowza, yowza! 23 can do! That 1933 May West movie that we saw last week sure was a pip and a scream. Yep. What a pippin! What a pippin it was! Yes. I'll be a monkey's uncle if that movie didn't blow my wig, Jackson! This episode of the podcast, Bumping Guns. Bumping our gums about politics and all that jazz. Thought I would list my top three May West movies. My top three May West movies of all time. So, are you ready to talk about my top three May West movies, Bunny? Yes, I am. Okay, okay. Number three. My number three top May West movie. From 1935, a film called Sexy Sex That Is Sexy. It's just a close-up of her saying the word sex for 65 minutes. That's the entire movie. That was a classic. And the critics were so mean to this movie, I don't know but, why. Yeah, but historians now realize that it's a groundbreaker. It's just her going, oh, sex. Sex. 65 minutes. Amazing. Love that movie. Uh, my number two favorite Mae West movie of all time, Store Steppin'. This is a 1934 film. Mae West walks to the store in real time. You just see her walking to the store. She sings six songs. And the most amazing part is this is a groundbreaking this is a groundbreaking movie because a lot of times when people think Mae West, they think, uh, come up and see me sometime. You know, that classic line of hers that is attributed to her. But what people forget, what only the real Mae 
Mass purists, big Mae West fans like myself, will be able to tell you. She also, in this 1934 film, Store Steppin', coined the phrase, fuck the police. Yes. See, now I have not I have not seen this movie. So so I do need to ask a question. Yes. Did did she sing the six songs while she was walking or did she sing the six songs when she got to the store? No, she sang four four songs when she was walking to the store. She sang one big number when she got to the store and then. The last number was about how she's going to walk back home from the store. But right before she gets to the store and everyone's excited because she almost walks to the store, the police are like, hey, Mary West, you're going to stop. You're too sexy, see? And Mae West (laughs) looks at the camera and goes, fuck the police, and then just keeps on walking. And so, see, a lot of people attribute uh, legendary rap group N.W.A., for the phrase "fuck the police," but uh, here here's a fact: NWA stands for Nifty West Admirers. Uh huh. The police, as a tribute to Mae West, who popularized the phrase. Yes. Not too many people know that, but yeah amazing but of course that movie is only number two because there's only one film that could be number one and this is a movie she did later in life a lot later in life a whole lot later in life 1976's keep on trucking yes. man what an amazing cat may west ringo star george burns Tom DeLuise and Mexican comedian Cantinflas in a wacky big budget comedy romp. Sure, Mae West was pretty old and couldn't remember her lines, so she just recited her character. Her whole thing was she only recited lines from the film A Bucket of Blood. Yes. It was a bit weird, but it's like, oh no. You mean to tell me that the we switched cases with the diamond thieves and now now the bad guys are after us? What do you think, Mae West? And she's just there, huh? Oh, I will talk to you of art. Cause there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah. The the but yeah, yeah, gotta admit, it really paid off when Ringo Starr dropped his pants and Mae West just looked down and said, Be a nose. Your nose. My favorite part is the big musical number where C.W. McCall shows up and sings "Convoy" with Charo and the Bay City Rollers. Yes, that was a that was a bop. That yes. was that slaps, as the kids say. So those are my top three Mae West movies. If you haven't seen "Store Stepping" or "Keep On Trucking," you really should because they are amazing films. Yes. For all of you out there, they're worth tracking down. They will be hard to find, but they will be worth it. So just keep looking. If you haven't found it yet, just keep looking. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! We have talked at length, at length, on this podcast about QAnon. Probably, we've probably discussed 
the QAnon conspiracy theory more than any other film podcast. Yes. But I'm absolutely I'm absolutely fascinated by the idea that uh, a small percentage of Americans actually believe this crazy conspiracy theory that states among so many other things that JFK Jr. uncovered a secret democratic satanic pedophilic baby eating ring, faked his death, and now uses his secret identity as cue to warn people about the evil baby eating Democrats in their hidden underground tunnels where they farm children. Yes. People believe this. People mm-hmm. believe this and for Congress, and that's absolutely fascinating to me. It's a ridiculously stupid conspiracy theory with no basis in reality because it's all the entire the the whole problem with with Q is that people are like, oh, there's this and there's this and and there's that and there's this and there's the other thing. But all of the QAnon conspiracy theories crumbled because they are all based on the concept that Donald Trump is secretly smart. Yes. You know, that Donald Trump is actually just pretending to be a dumb, corrupt, fucking racist idiot. When in reality, he's working night and day to expose and bring to justice these evil baby eating uh, pedophilic Satanists. Yes. And so far at this point, from Donald Trump's investigations, no pedophile rings being run from McDonald's. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's Pizza checked place. them all out. He's checked them all out. See, yeah, McDonald's are pedophile it. free. Yeah. I love the, the QAnon conspiracy theory because it's all encompassing. There's just so much insanity attached to this, and it's all ridiculously insane. Okay. So, so here's well, because the, they, they here's take the, the bat shit. They take the batshit from everywhere, and any cons- all of the already pre-existing conspiracies are wrapped up into QAnon, like the Adrenal Chrome. Yeah. David Icke talked about fucking Adrenal Chrome and this shit fucking years ago. This is not new yeah. to QAnon. Imagine, imagine this book. I think to most Republicans, George Soros, they see George Soros in the same way that I imagine Dr. Doom. Yeah. George Soros is in a cape, you know, on a throne in a room with a giant globe and he slams his fist. Yeah. Occasionally. And it's like, oh, I'm that Trump. Yeah. So, so I was on Twitter recently. Okay. Uh, this week, I was on Twitter. Okay. And I saw that The Rock was trending. So The yes. Rock was trending, and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God, why is The Rock twen- trending? Because he came out in support of Joe Biden. And I said, well, I got to read those Twitter comments. Yeah. It happens occasionally. I'll see something. and Oh, well, I got to go to the... I got to dive into the comments for this one. And sure enough, like 60% were supportive and 40% were, well, I'll never see another movies of your, yours again. Like typical right wing bullshit. Like, oh, yeah. really care. 
you're going to boycott movies of actors who support Joe Biden. Well, have fun only watching Kevin Sorbo movies. Yeah. Mm. That's going to be a lot of fun for you. But one comment caught my eye, okay? From the Twitter user at Cameron Trexler, who tweeted, and I quote, this is not The Rock. He was executed by military tribunal this year. Okay. And the, and the cabal is using his likeness to help elect these idiots. Don't fall for it. Well, um... This was a big rabbit hole for me this week. Okay, so 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 the the Biden campaign is faltering and they are struggling to come up with a new <clears throat> strategy to push Joe to victory and they're like Rock's evil twin. That's what we need. We need Rock's evil twin. Yeah. Rock's evil twin is paper, so that's exciting. So, yes. so uh, I had, of course, I had to learn more about this because this—it sounded like just enough whack-ass, batshit, crazy, Paul is dead type insanity for me to try and obsess over. So, I found. A, so, I was looking for information about <laughs> the Rock and the Rock stunt. <clears throat> And all of that sort of nonsense. And I came across a website uh, right here called roserambles.org. Okay. Okay. That's the website. Roserambles.org. Uh, love, spirituality, free energy, abundance. Uh, right. So, yeah. That certainly all sounds on the level. So I, I, I became obsessed with this website. Here's just one sentence of a recent blog post from roserambles.org. Okay, buddy? This one sentence from, from a recent post on their website, okay? okay? Just as an example of the high-class thinking. In just a few hours, we will reach peak momentum in the equinox gateway of ascension acceleration. Okay. Nice. So I, well, first off, what the fuck does that mean? We will reach, in a, just a few hours, we will, we will reach peak momentum in the equinox gateway of ascension acceleration. Like, what does, what, what is that? I, un I understand that there are words. They are and words, then, and, and they seem to badly connect. Yeah, and I, I became obsessed with this one specific blog on the internet because it reminded me, real flashback for you, Bunny. Remember when we were obsessed with that person that we found on Facebook that was 100% convinced that she was an angel? From Octaurus. <laughs> yeah. And she was 100% convinced that she was an angel and that she needed help uh, to, to like, evolve mankind and yes. all of this. 
Yes. Yeah, so, so I became obsessed with this website. And uh, sure enough, I, I came across the meat of it. On July 10th, this Gwyneth Paltrow on meth posted an alleged newspaper article from an alleged Greek newspaper, which stated that the war against the evil cabal of democratic baby sacrifices is happening behind the scenes and goes on to say that Donald Trump and Q have successfully arrested 81 people in the cabal and a number of them already have secretly been killed by a military tribunal. Okay. So, uh, so that's the article. If you're watching this video, that's the article right there. Shock the list of arrests and executions of famous deep state. So, so I'm um, seeing at least the Queen of England and the Pope. Okay, so there. there's two. There's two lists. There's a list of all the people that have already been arrested by Donald Trump and Q. And then there's a list of those people who have already been executed. So there's two lists. So uh, first off, here are some of the people who have already been arrested but have not yet been killed. Are you ready, Bunny? Yes. Okay. Some of them are, are at Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay. Some are under house arrest and some are marked for execution but have not been executed yet. Okay. So so here's the list. Bill and Melinda Gates, James Comey, Mitt Romney, Oprah, Ellen DeGeneres, Angela Merkel, Justin Trudeau, Meryl Streep. Oh, so so sad to see her go. Richard Gere. Quentin Tarantino, not sure why he's on the list, but whatever. Mitt Romney and Mike Pence. Pence was in cahoots with Quentin Tarantino. I knew it. Finally, finally, we come to the truth. Whenever I saw Quentin Tarantino, I'm like. Because Quentin Tarantino was able to convince Mike Pence that touching feet isn't gay. I, I, When I saw Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood, I was like, this is a great movie. This is really wonderful. I bet Mike Pence loves this. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, when, when I saw... When I saw... Um, uh, Samuel Jackson get his cock sucked in the snow in The Hateful Eight. I was like, you know what? I bet Mike Pence loves and I was the only one who knew the truth that Mike Pence and Donald and uh, Quentin Tarantino were best friends and now yeah. here's the proof. They're probably roommates in Guantanamo right now. Uh-huh. So now here's the list of people who have already been killed by Donald Trump and Q. Okay? okay. Now, the article, the article does explain it for you, Bunny. If you have seen any of these people, two words, body doubles. Yes. Okay? Or there's some other, there's some other things that it could be. CGI, and according to the article, 
according to the article, Mike Pence is a clone. Okay. That the the elites have the cloning technology, and they have cloned Mike Pence. Well, I could I could almost believe that, you know, because I, I kind of think that you would always want at least a partially formed Mike Pence. Because Mike Pence is down to the genetic level is basically blank. He is a clean slate yeah. of what a human looks like. You know, so you can then make any other person out of a clone of Mike Mike Pence. You know, you could broaden the nose, make him African-American, tone up the skin some. You know, there's a lot you could do there. Like a Lego person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, here are the people that our brave leader Trump has uh, allegedly already executed. Barack and Michelle Obama, dead. Yes. Hillary and Bill Clinton, dead. George and Laura, and even Jeb Bush, dead. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Pope Francis. Yeah. Robert, Robert De Niro, Queen Elizabeth. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, dead. (laughs) Madonna, I'm fine with that one. I'm fine with that one. (laughs) Not going to lose a lot of sleep about uh, Madonna being a part of the deep state. John McCain, Siegfried and Roy. Siegfried and Roy. That seems like that was too long ago for their deaths to be a part of the Q conspiracy, but apparently they, they were executed by a military tribunal. Okay. Joe, Joe and Hunter Biden. Madonna. That, that's like, that. the, uh, that's like the professor and Marianne. Yeah. Uh, Lady Gaga. And of course, rock the Dwayne Johnson. So if you see The Rock, guess what? Guess what? I said this out loud to my family, and they did not appreciate it. But if you see The Rock, don't go up to him, because that's not The Rock. It's a Rockleganger. It's a Rockleganger. Yes. It's a Rockleganger. And, and if anything, this story makes me excited about voting, because... Isn't it about time that we elected our first clone president? That's what I, I, I I'm, because Joe Biden, Joe and Hunter Biden were both killed by a firing squad. So if you see Joe Biden now, it's either a body double or it's a clone. So I'm excited about, you know, how, how amazing will this be in American history that first we elected our first black president, and now we will be electing our first clone president. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, about well, that. Joe Joe Biden again is 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 good clone fodder. Yeah, because again, yeah. he he is about as close as you can get to generic white guy mm-hmm. at all. You know, so so both he and Mike Pence are just basically blanks 
yeah. that you could build other people out of. Fucking Joe Biden. Back in my day, soda only cost a nickel. <laughs> I'm going to be in charge of the nuclear codes. Like, yeah, wonderful. Hey, maybe next time we have an election four years from now, just a crazy idea, but let me just throw this out there. Maybe let's not put the entire nation at the hands of a 70-year-old white person. Yeah. It's an idea. We don't need to automatically hand over the reins to our entire nation to uh, really old white elites. Yeah. You know? Fucking... Just an idea. Anyway, I am voting for Joe Biden for two words. Clone rights. This is my rights. Clone rights. Clones have rights to vote for Joe Biden. A vote for Joe Biden is a vote for clones. Yes. Clones everywhere. Yes. And also, roserambles.org is a pretty fun place see, I, that. I, there is a basis of fact here because I know, I know Hollywood has been cloning people for fucking years now. This is why, this is why you yeah. see a certain person and you can trace that person back to shit in the 50s, you know, or even beyond. It's not always the same person exactly. They might have do some modifications, but it's all basically the same person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it makes, I, sense. It makes sense. Look, like, like Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Okay? That kid yeah. has always okay. existed. You cannot go to a period in time where that kid did not exist. Did not exist. Cute, blonde, with, with glasses. Yeah precocious he's cousin oliver it's the same fucking kid yeah okay they they yeah they have a generic precocious child clone base in hollywood and every time they need a precocious child they they grow up a new clone and it's yeah, cousin they, oliver or or it's you know it's Ralphie or anybody else, like like Betsy, like Betsy from Stranger Things. You know, she yeah. has always existed. Yeah, kind of nerdy teen girl with glasses. That character has always existed. Every time they need need a new Betsy, they fire up the crisper and pop another one out. Yeah, you're basically. In, in explaining a plot line from the cartoon Gravity Falls. Yeah. Yeah, the kids uncover the fact that like boy bands are actually created in a vat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And are raised just to be members of a boy band and they don't know the outside world. They just know the life of being in a boy band and they're all clones of each other but different ones. You're going to be the cute one. You are going to be the funny one. Put on this leather jacket. You're the bad boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's really. It, I love that show. The whole family loves that show. Funny, yes. We still have uh, a lot to get to. I need to talk about 
story times. I need to talk about um, movie theater rivalries. I need to talk some more about the Bay City Rollers. I need to talk about um, Joy Juice. Is it allowed? That's that's the real question. Okay. Um, but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Maybe. Okay. We, we will be right back. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 and break. Trying to let my ball out. Looking for Bob. Trying to find Bob. Trying to let Bob out of me. Trying to bring Bob into the world. Kill. 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 For your amusement. Satanic. Panic. You're late. I'm sorry we had a small mishap. Here are the keys. Um, here are ours. Have a nice stay at Milbar. You in our city. Still telling the same story, Josh? of evil are very strong here. I must leave. Goblins don't exist. Goblins don't exist. And remember...
And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Funny. Yes. That's that's funny right there. Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus? Are you are you amped? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready? Ready to go? Are you are you, are you pumped? Are you rolled up? Are you jazzed? Are you jazzed, Bunny? Are you ready to go? Ready to do Damn it? Damn right I am. Well then, without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host. Bonnie Williams, take it away, buddy! Trump's got COVID. <laughs> Trump's got COVID. <laughs> My God, he's doing the Pelosi clap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I uh, oh. I uh, uh, you know everything took an upturn there for a bit. You know, uh, I I really want more 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 footage. Uh, I want more more news coverage of this. I want cameras in his hospital room so that the clones don't assassinate him. And I I want to I want to watch him wither, suffer, and die. I want to see him cough I, uh, up a fucking lung. Some of the Q people got really excited when Trump was rushed to Walter Reed Medical Center because, of course, the Q people are all you know what's he's hiding in the bunker because the rest that we've been saying are happening any second for the last four years they're finally happening. They're finally happening. He's going to the bunker to prepare because the arrest, they're finally going to arrest everybody. So <laughs> I guess that didn't happen. Yeah. Shocker that was. Yeah. And it really I, does. It I, really I, does suck living in a fucking world where you can't believe a goddamn thing, you know? Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I, people started saying, oh, oh, this is, this is a fake and all that. And I was like, Oh no, no, please, no, please, please let this be real. Let this be and man, I don't know. Yeah. He did some he did some footage and he doesn't really look sick. They, I want to see him did. look really fucking sick. <clears throat> they did they he released footage from the doctor's office talking about how he's fine and he's had medication, but uh Film Twitter broke it down and said, right after he says this specific word, he goes into a coughing fit and they tried to edit it out and then cover it up using this one specific morph function in Adobe Illustrator. Okay. Like, like they really broke it down and they said, it's obvious that he went into a coughing fit and they tried to edit it, but they edited it in the worst way using the morph function. And, and you can see, like, once he says this word, he's just there and he says, yes, taking many uh, medications and everything is looking fine. And he does this like jerk, this like jerking motion. It's hilarious. Yeah. It is hilarious that like they tried to edit out his coughing fit. 
but they did it in the worst way possible. Yeah. And it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, now, now a lot of people are talking about Trump having COVID, of course, but I like to root for the underdog. How wonderful is it Christie has it? Oh, man. Oh, now that's really good. Uh, I'm it, that one I'm, it made me just grin from ear to ear. And, and that's, yeah, yeah. That one was like, that's a good one. Kellyanne gave me the giggles too. Yeah. You know, but that's, yeah, but that's Kellyanne. also the thing. Like, how do all of these people suddenly come down with COVID and Trump doesn't? Yeah. I'm just saying I was really disappointed seeing him looking as well as I thought he was. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm getting yeah. to. And and it makes me concerned that maybe he doesn't have it when I really, really, really want him to have it. Okay. I, I found the exact tweet that I was just talking about and sent it to you. It was that last speech that he released. Um, he coughs after the word therapeutics, and it was edited out using the morph cut feature in Adobe Premiere CC. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and they, they pinpointed the exact moment, like, damn, you're not supposed to use morph cut slash flow slash fluid morph slash smooth cut if it isn't visual if it if it isn't invisible who are the this stuff like how wonderful that like not only did trump fuck up but we can tell you exactly what program he used to fuck up that would be interesting because i know because like i know premiere which i cut the show in every fucking week has that functionality you know but yeah. i've i've never had a, a use or a reason to go looking and playing with it at all. So, yeah, so, so I'm going to check that out because that that might be really fucking interesting. I want to hear what they have to say now. Yeah, that's hilarious. So, so let me tell you, let me tell you what happened to me. Uh, I can switch my emotions at the drop of a hat. Okay. At the drop of a hat, I can go from really depressed to. Uh, you know what? I I I I guess that's my oh, bipolar fuck disorder. Yeah. No. I can really go from negative to a positive really quickly. I told I told my daughter Emerald this yesterday when we were on our way to the store. So uh, yesterday we were doing uh, the live show that I do, raising the leaders. Yeah. Which it, a live, which was a live story time event that we did for two years, and then the coronavirus canceled it, so we turned it into a live streaming kid show like twice a month. And it, it, it's quite a tricky thing to pull off. And we do it on Zoom, and there's a whole team of people, and there's people working on graphics and editing it in real time as we stream on Facebook and, and YouTube, and, and it's quite difficult. And we do it on Zoom, and so what people are seeing on the stream, I don't see on Zoom. There's just silence, and, and before I go on, 
I have to wait for my cue and my cue is given to me by the person who's doing the editing in real time. And there's a video before I come on. And so there's just silence and my camera is off and my audio is off and I'm just waiting for this one box on on uh, Zoom to give me a thumbs up and then I turn all of my stuff on and then I go and it's really stressful and all that. And so they have been talking about a new uh, format, a new system that they were going to do things with after we finished the book that we were reading. Yeah. Because it was a book with seven stories. And once we finish this series of books, then we'll move over to our new streaming system. And so 45 minutes before we go live, I get a text and they're like, hey, we decided at the last second then to jump the gun and we're using the new form. We're using the new system now. So we're no longer using Zoom. We're using StreamYard. Okay. And I'm really, StreamYard, that's important. StreamYard. We were using StreamYard and I was really stressed out. Like what? You can't just change, you know, the entire system that we do things with mere minutes before we go live and, and I'm stressed out. And it turns out StreamYard is, is just much easier. And all of us who are doing the show and waiting for our cues and whatnot, we now get to see everything that the audience sees. So it's better than Zoom and the quality is better and, and it's really nice. And so we like StreamYard. And so 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 that's that story. So then the other story is I'm still doing a video a day and I've been doing these. I've been doing a lot more videos in advance. And so like like last weekend, I did all of my story times for Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And like I did six story times and I had them all lined up. And so in the morning, I'm teaching the kids doing virtual school. And while I'm doing that, I'm editing and coming up with thumbnails and uploading them to YouTube. And it's nice and easy. And I don't have to worry about coming up with a new story time and all of that. And I'm working really hard on the YouTube channel and nobody cares. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of views. And I don't have a lot of subscribers and some really depressed because it's like, I'm working so hard on this and nobody cares and nobody watches. And I'm so depressed because nobody watches my videos and I work so hard on my videos and nobody cares and nobody watches. And I'm so depressed and I'm so sad because nobody watches. So I did Raising Little Leaders and I do a video. I got the okay before we started Raising Little Leaders to film every Raising Little Leaders we do. So now that we're doing it from our homes, I do a behind the scenes, like I wake up and I tell everybody about, about how we do it. And so I was doing that behind the scenes video yesterday. And two or three times during the video, I accidentally don't call it StreamYard. I call it StreamMates. Okay. Which is a totally different thing. StreamYard <laughs> is, is the new system that we're using to do the show. StreamMates is a cam site okay. where you can see in Bush. And so it's so funny to me with my bipolar that I can that I can so quickly go from I'm working so hard on this YouTube channel and no one is watching and I'm so depressed to 
oh my god did i call it stream mates oh my god i i kept calling it a porn site on the channel you know what nobody watches <laughs> nobody, watches, nobody watches nobody pays attention it's fine it's fine no one's gonna call me on it because no one is ever gonna notice that because <laughs> nobody watches we're good we're good we are fine we are fine so i thought that was hilarious so now i'm really happy that right now no one is watching my channel well, I watch I watch pretty much. Your channel is just in my subscription lineup, you know. Yeah. So it's like it'll be like damage report, damage report, Young Turks, and then one of my other channels, Bionic Dance, or I don't I don't know some of the other channels I have, and yours. So I'll watch it. I'm really proud of the content that I'm coming up with, and it's all really good, and I really like it. It's just not as successful as I would have wanted it to be after over two years of nonstop work. You know? I, I will skip it if I don't like the book. <laughs> Oh, I love it when the book is horrible. That's the those are the best ones, you know. Yeah. Like I like uh, Amber bought me these uh these uh supermarket books from the eighties. I don't know where they are now, but back in the day, in like this, in like the eighties, you'd go to the supermarket and there'd be a big display, and it was like a like a the Snoopy. Encyclopedia of Knowledge. Come back to your local Safeway or Ralph's, and there'll be a new book each week yeah. for only five ninety nine. Uh, book one, Nature, and so so. Uh, and this would happen throughout the eighties, and there were like supermarket books that were only available through your local supermarket, and now these books are just in every Goodwill. And Amber found me these two Disney books. One is a Dumbo story and the other one's a Peter Pan story. And I didn't want to read them. But once I finally was like, I have nothing else to do. I'll do the Disney books. I was so excited that I did them because they're shit. <laughs> and it's like, that gives me like, I'm going to make fun of Peter Pan. I'm going to make fun of Dumbo. And I said all over, all, I, like throughout the a couple of times through the video, I was like, I wasn't going to do this Dumbo video. But then I flipped through it and saw, hey, this Dumbo actually has no racism in it, so I'm fine <laughs> to read it because it's racist, unlike the movie. And so, oh yeah, I I, I, I love it when the book is bad. <laughs> so how are you, Bunny? <sighs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Uh... But but I, I think that the feeling that you're describing, the whole nation felt as well, you know, because because we're living through our normal horror. Oh, he doesn't pay taxes. They're trying to rush somebody through the Supreme Court while yelling at Biden how he's going to stack the Supreme Like, you've stacked it already. <laughs> There's nothing left to fucking yeah. stack. 
to a, a, a completely amazing debate, which really, you know, some of the shit that he said in the debate, especially him calling out the fucking Proud Boys, was like, oh, no, man, we are in sort of such bad fucking times. And feeling really pretty down and feeling really pretty depressed about that. And then suddenly it's like, oh, COVID. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, man, I I really hope he actually has this, you know? He's the boy who cried yeah. wolf at this point. And it's yeah. Like, like, damn, I hope he really does it because I can absolutely see him like saying, oh no, you better rush me to the hospital. I have the coronavirus. Uh, oh look, a miraculous recovery. See, we told you this wasn't a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I can absolutely see that happening. Or or this is just his way to cover up his disastrous uh, debate performance or the, the tax information. Like, like the man's such a liar that how are we supposed to believe him when he says I have the coronavirus? Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I don't know. But again, know. but again, look at all the sick I, people around him. All of a sudden, you know. Yeah, but all of the people who are sick are people who I wouldn't trust. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so it's like, oh, Kellyanne Conway has the virus and it's like oh so i'm also supposed to believe that kellyanne conway has it i haven't believed her at all about anything <laughs> i now believe her when she says she has it too and so like uh, i don't know like i hope yeah. that they all really do have it or this is just their way of painting themselves as the victims yeah they probably do yeah, it can be both. It can be both. Yeah, it can be both. It's absolutely can be both. Okay. Yeah. So. All, all all I'm saying is go virus, okay? I'm I yes. okay, between these two things, is this real or he's faking it? I don't know. I'm just saying I'm team virus. That's it. Yeah. I'm I'm all right with that. Oh, yep. I, I don't know. It, what an exhausting fucking week it's been, yeah. right? Yeah. God This has been a week and a half. Mm-hmm. This has been two weeks in a week, and it's just so fucking exhausting. Man, all this weekend has just been like, there's new news every week. Yeah. And no, every I, hour, don't, I don't know. Every like- hour. Thing. But see, I I, I, coil and I get disappointed in something like the debate, and then I I get disappointed in my fellow human beings after that. You know, it's like it's like yeah. <sighs> he won't call out white supremacy. Yeah, you know, fucking duh. He won't. Like like, uh, uh, are you surprised? No, we fucking know he's a racist fucking forever. This is not news. This is not news. What's news is he told the fucking Proud Boys to stand by and be watching at the fucking polls. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is illegal, but ask it, the Rolling it, Stones. This is a bad idea, right? It, it, it Republicans get just so much more leeway than Democrats do, and it's like, yeah, sure, Trump just told a white a group of violent white supremacists to stand by and also told people to intimidate people while they're voting which is illegal but hey remember the time that Obama wore a tan suit mm-hmm. you know and it's so fucking it's, it's so fucked up and, but then at the same time, everybody is like, oh, Joe Biden called him a clown. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Oh, that pissed me off. Okay, so during he the called, debates. He called him a clown. He barely mentioned his taxes, had nothing to do to say about forced hysterectomies, had very little to say about COVID. You know, I mean, like, it, it, it's it's nice. You know, but like, he's got a stockpile of fucking weapons that he won't use. Yeah, like, uh, it, it really ups- it really upset me after the debate because Donald Trump just wouldn't stop talking and interrupted Joe Biden like 500 times and was constantly yelling and attacking him and making up lies and screaming and wouldn't let Joe Biden get a single word in edgewise. And, and then the debate ends and then people are like, wow, that debate was horrible. I, I am, I am disappointed with everyone. Everyone was horrible. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a horrible debate performance from both candidates. And it's like, no, Joe Biden barely fucking said anything. This isn't, this isn't like so many people in the media were like, I am so disappointed in both candidates and the moderator. And it's like, no, just be disappointed in Donald Trump. He well, well, I, I, I really thought I really thought going in, Chris Wallace was going to have a lot more balls than he did. You know, I really did. I, I was kind of glad to see Chris Wallace being the moderator, one being conservative. Yeah, but a bit more of a trustworthy like it's it wouldn't be the first time he held Trump's feet to the fire. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and, and then, I'm expecting a shit show because I said that this was gonna be a shit show during the fucking primaries. Yeah. I was I was I'm sure we can go back in the shows that that a, a Trump Biden de- debate is gonna be a complete shit show. going to be pretty yeah. funny and, and then i also feel that like and then i feel that like oh he has the coronavirus oh i guess he can't do any more disastrous debates oh shoot yeah you know is another is another way that i felt about donald trump suddenly getting the coronavirus but i don't know i don't it's just so fucking exhausted yeah you know so fucking tired of everything. Yes. But Palm Springs was a fun movie. Oh, love that movie. Love that movie. Love that movie. That well, was fucking fun. 
Bill and Ted, I just didn't like. I found it still sad. Still haven't seen it. I loved the first one. I didn't like the second one, so I'm not in a rush to see the third one. The only reason I would want to see it is that one of the daughters was uh, the star of Ready or Not. Was she? Yeah. Hide and seek. Yeah. And I loved that movie. Yeah. I fucking loved that movie. Yeah, that's a fun movie. I've gone back and watched that. Yeah, I saw that with Bella. That was... I loved that movie. So, yeah. And, yeah, and, but everything's... everything. And I need more lighthearted comedies in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Comedies and Godzilla. Yeah. Um, fucking Godzilla was supposed to come out in fucking November. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Man. Who knows when I'm going to be able to see Chris Rock's Saw? Who knows yeah. when that movie's coming out? Yeah. I'm excited about that. Fucking. Just disappointed. I blame Tenet. <laughs> for all of it. For Nolan is like, my film, my film will be the first one. My film will come out and, and it will save Hollywood. My film, everybody, this my film's gonna be the first film. And his film comes out, but guess what? There's nothing else. Yeah. There's not there's no other movies coming out. You know what the number one movie is this weekend? Fucking hocus pocus. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I- Okay, I like going to the movies. I don't like spending the money going to the movies. So I don't go to the movies all that often. But if we're going to the movies, I want something big, you know? I want an endgame or or something, you know? Yeah, and all the big stuff got postponed. I'm I'm not going to... All the big stuff got pushed and... So so that's me normally. Me in a pandemic? Do you fucking really expect me to risk going out to see your shit-ass movie? Yeah, I, like, I really want to see the new mutants, but... But, man, I don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to risk my health to go see the new mutants. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you 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 got that past thing, or did, or might. Um, I mean, if I had uh, that, sure, that's that's a little bit of a different matter. But like, I'm not gonna go rushing to see any of this. And to get me yeah, out in a um, pandemic, it better be like a, a huge movie that that fulfills all my dreams. Yeah, and that was supposed to be Tenet, and Tenet was supposed to be so big that all of the other movies would come out after it, but Tenet came out and all the other movies said, you know what, we're going to stay in 2021, so it's like, fucking, why did you even do this, Tenet? It's all Christopher Nolan's fault. Christopher Nolan killed movie theaters. Yeah. So I was thinking just a little while ago about 
Harry Potter. And their wands. Wouldn't that be like if we just let kids have handguns? Like we just insisted that they would have to have a handgun to go to school. Because those wands were fucking dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. What I what I think of a lot in the world of Harry Potter is before he knew about wizards, before Hagrid showed up, when they went to the zoo, Harry Potter was uh, talking to a snake and made glass disappear yeah. so that he could get out. And so that means that like he does have magic in him, but going to magic school helps him focus on it. But if he didn't go to magic school, couldn't he have just been a mutant? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see why not. You know, because he can do stuff. He, he can do magic. He can do things. Without going to magic school, he made the glass disappear at the zoo. So he does have magic inside of him. He doesn't necessarily need to go to wizard school. Basically, he could have just been a guy with superpowers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Basically, he could have been a kick-ass mutant. He could have started the Harry Potter school for gifted children. Yeah. That would have been awesome. So that just had me wondering, like, all these kids wander, wandering around Hogwarts armed, you know? Yeah. You would expect Slytherin to start more shit. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of, I was thinking of what to do with my uh, uh, Snape costume, and I'm thinking of doing, like, a video or a series of videos focusing on a primarily Latino wizarding school in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. And I'm just like a Latino professor at this Arizona wizard school. And it's like, children, today we're going to be learning about some more spells and, oh yes, oh yes, you, no, don't you do that. You know, something like that. Yeah. I thought that'd be cute. Yeah. Well, we have not explored... We haven't really explored the wizarding world in other cultures. Yeah. No, not at all. You know? Yeah. I thought that'd be interesting. I can be like Latino Snape. Yeah. Hola. And we, we we lost Helen Reddy and Mac Davis. Yeah, Helen Reddy. Forgot about that. Yeah. Two people who were like famous for a moment. And then you kind of, for both of them, you kind of forgot they went away until it's like, oh, yeah, whatever happened to, oh, he's dead. (laughs) Yeah, she was woman. I heard her roar. She got famous as shit off of one fucking song. Not one bad. Song. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I'm 
I'm hoping she had a better career than I realize in Australia, where she was from. You know, but Mac Davis was, oh, yeah. was all over the place for like a couple of years. Like, how long was it really? Yeah. I mean, I think he even had his own TV show for a little while. I primarily know Helen Reddy as being an X-Wing pilot in the Star Family Guy Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Helen Reddy standing by. Simply Red standing by. Yeah. That's how I remember Helen Reddy. And they got her to be to voice her little tiny one line in that Star Wars special. So I thought that was cute. I mean, it was it was the seventies, man. If you had a pulse and you had a song or anything else, you got a sitcom. Not a sitcom, a variety show. You got a variety show. So Mac Davis had a variety show. Uh, Jim Stafford. Remember Jim Stafford? I am still haunted by the puppets from the Mandrell sisters. <laughs> Those things were huge. Huge foam monsters. <laughs> Those things were scary as shit. <coughs> foam cowboy. And no of- face. And of course, Flip Wilson. Yep. I used to love the Flip Wilson show. Was that Geraldine? Is yeah, that he, like- he would oh, yeah. do Geraldine, which yeah. we always laughed at, and I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know why it was consistently funny when it was always the same fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's so that's a little segue. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else. I'm sure I do, but I, I don't know how much I care. Yeah, you know, I don't care. Do you? We we covered. Oh, it's like I I I have to put up this Christmas tree, and and they call and they ask me about the kids. Well, fuck those kids. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh. tinsel, tinsel. <laughs> I, I hang up Christmas decorations. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to know that Angry Melania sounds just like all of our impressions of Angry Melania. Yeah. That was yeah. 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 That was coming. Oh my God! There's there's a there's a yeah. segment of the Young Turks. Which just had me floored. Uh, one of the guys, Brett, he just broke into a Melania impersonation. And it was just so fucking hysterical. And he was just going on That's and great. on and like, I've, I've, I've got to hang Holly. <laughs> I've got. So they're getting raped. They came in the country illegally. I have garland to yeah. string. I have all these decorations to do. <laughs> yeah, and I have to. I have to. It's an obligation. Yeah. I mean, because, like, fuck Christmas. Fuck Who cares about Christmas? So that's about it yeah. for this installation of Bunny Verses. And this week I do have a catchphrase. So all yeah. I have to say is, 
go COVID. And cut on that. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes? If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? Rising, rising podcast. But only real fans, true hardcore fans, would know two things about us. Two undeniably totally real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the two of us. America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, the first totally really real fact about you, Bunny, is that you have been hard at work in your lab with your fellow scientists, hard at work on a new meat alternative besides cow and chicken. Yes. So can you tell us all, your adoring fans, what this new meat alternative is and its benefits? It is made of sea sponges. Uh, So Hmm. basically SpongeBob SquarePants, but, you know, he's just a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, sea sponges um, that we grind up into a patty shape. Um, the the big advantage is, is it's not meat. Um, it tastes really bad for those people who don't really enjoy living. Yeah. You know? And oddly enough, the sponges make a very satisfying satisfying screaming sound when you kill them. Nice. That is a plus. You know, so there are there are plenty of advantages to it. Good, 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 good. And the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know about too well and reworded via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short and spicy. The Cheech Marin of podcast segments. Anywho, today on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be telling a story so that I can heal my broken heart. Let me explain. I live in a small town called Shawnee, Oklahoma, population 31,000 as of 2018. It is 44.7 square miles of a very small city surrounded by rural nothingness and yet when we moved here in this very small town there were three movie theaters there were three movie theaters and that's so strange like how come in this small town in the middle of nowhere surrounded by farmland and, and empty fields how come the small town has three different freaking movie theaters that's so strange And they were all AMC affiliates, so I signed up for the AMC A-List, which was a subscription service where for $20 a month, I get three free 
movie tickets a week. And that worked out really well because there was the the six screen movie theater at the mall. There was the eight screen movie theater uh, on uh, Harrison by the Homeland Shopping uh, Supermarket. And then there was the big discount theater downtown. And so it, it was it was really great for me. And I could jump between the three different movie theaters. Well, this past week, the two-screen discount theater known as the Hornbeck Theater closed its doors for good, and it just devastated me. I spent so much time there these past few years. Max's movie was the Leto movie when he was a very young baby. His first movie was in that theater. Yeah. Eleanor's first movie was at that theater. I took her to go see Incredibles 2. Her first movie was there. And I just spent so much time there over these past few years. I saw um, Brooklyn, which was shit. I saw uh, one of those movies. Uh, what was the name? What was the name of that movie with, with the dog owned for a while by a homeless guy? What was the name of that movie? Dang it. I hated the dog's journey or something like that. Something like that. I see. And and it was and it was like Edward James almost, wasn't it? Yeah, or somebody. The homeless guy. Uh, I saw Dumbo there. I saw Teen Titans go to the movies there. I took the kids to go see cats. Uh so many movies there. I went on dates there. Once uh, last summer, I, I I was bored and I said, you know what, kids? It's only about 10, 15 minute walk away. You guys want to walk to the discount theater? Yes. And so we walked from our door to the theater and it was only about 15 minutes. And so it, I, I spent a lot of time at this theater and it closed down. And so I thought that perhaps dedicating a segment of the podcast to this movie theater would make me feel better. So uh, this is the story of the Hornbeck Theater. The Hornbeck Theater is the big old theater in every small town in every movie. Yes. You know, like Gremlins is set in the small town of Kingston Falls, for example. That old timey theater could be the Hornback Theater. Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls! Yeah. Merry Christmas, Movie House! That's the Hornback Theater. Yeah, so it's the, it's the theater that the kids in the blob went to. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, air conditioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was air conditioned. And it used to have a balcony, but we'll get to that. So this is two stories. It's the story of the Hornbeck Theater, and it's also the story of my town's movie theater wars. Okay. So um, in the late 1800s in Lebanon, it's weird that this story starts in Lebanon, yeah. uh, a man wanted a better life for him and his wife, so they moved to America in 1888 and tried out a bunch of different states and a bunch of different cities, lived in Texas for a while, lived in uh, Arkansas, and he, until this man settled on, for whatever reason, 
Shawnee, Oklahoma. This man's name is Jake Jones Sr. I'm sorry, there's no way his name was Jake Jones when he lived in Lebanon. (laughs) He obviously changed his name uh, when he immigrated here, but I have no idea what his original name is, so apparently I just have to go with Jake Jones Sr. So... Uh, anyway, he opened a candy shop in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and it failed. So then he opened an ice cream parlor in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and it failed. So in 1911, uh, he, he was like, maybe a theater? So in 1911, um, he started a company he called Jones home folks theater and purchased the cozy theater on main street at the time it was actually a in 1897 the the place opened but it was a dry goods store and apparently jake jones senior just looked at this dry goods store and was like okay if we remove all of this here put some seats that wall there, we can turn it into a stage. This this dry goods store would make a great theater. So we purchased the dry goods store, turned it into the cozy theater owned by Jones Home Folks Theater, and, and turned it into, he called it the cozy theater, which was later renamed the Ritz Theater. And the crazy thing is, it's still on Main Street. Yeah. Except, uh, except it, it it went out of business in like the eighties, and it was purchased by the state, and now it opens up only once in a while for like a concert or a stand-up comedy. Every Halloween, they show some different Halloween movie. Like last year, I was gonna go over there because they were showing um Beetlejuice. Yeah, but I decided against it. Because the place was going to be packed, I still haven't gone into the Ritz Theater because it's only open every once in a while, and mainly for something you have to pay a lot of money for. But the Ritz Theater is still open. And, and then, 1927, Jake Jones opened the Criterion Theater. So now he owns two theaters in this small town. Then in 1935, he purchased the rival Savoy Theater and renamed it the State Theater. Suddenly, Jake Jones and the Jones Home Folks Theater Company owned three theaters in town. So it's safe to say that this town has always been like a big theater town. Well, during World War II, these theaters all started showing talkies. Yeah. During World War II, 40s. Um, and a new era was born. And that brings us to another story, because apparently there was a rival theater company in Shawnee. Before this Lebanese guy showed up, there were three other theaters in town. So there were six theaters when Jake Jones came along. Uh, okay. But Jake Jones came along. There were three theaters in town and they were owned by Griffin Theaters Company. And this was an odd ownership. Griffin Theaters was co-run by Mr. Griffin himself and the present and the mayor of Shawnee, Oklahoma at the time, a man named Mayor Adam Hornback. Okay. So, So the mayor and this Griffin guy owned three theaters in town. 
And they're like, yeah, Griffin Theaters, we own all the theaters in town. We do a lot of vaudeville shows. We show some silent movies. Yeah, we sort of run the theater business. And then all of a sudden, uh, this Lebanese immigrant shows up and he gets a theater and he gets another theater and suddenly he owns a theater and suddenly there's this big rivalry and Griffin Theaters is like, wait a second, he's the he's the mayor and, and we used to run this town. Suddenly there's a Lebanese immigrant named Jake. I don't think that's, <laughs> that's a traditional Lebanese name. Suddenly this guy's fighting us and it becomes this rivalry, this theater rivalry in my small town between Jones Home Folks Theaters and Griffin Theaters. And they're fighting and it's this big massive war in the small town that no one else gives a fuck about because no one even knows where Shawnee, Oklahoma is. But here there's the theater wars happening. And this goes on and on throughout the 20s and 30s and 40s. And finally, in the 40s, Griffin Theaters says, so sick of this Jake Jones guy and his Jones Theaters. Let's show him. Let's 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 just wipe him off the map. Let's open a theater, a big theater with a huge screen, bigger than all the other screens that are out there. One that will put all of the other theaters to shame. We're going to make a theater so great that Jones Theaters will just be wiped off the map. And so in 1947, the Griffin Theater people opened the majestic Hornbeck Theater. It opened to the public on July 10th, 1947. And unlike all of the other buildings out there, one of them uh, uh, was destroyed in a tornado. The other, another theater was destroyed in a fire. This one was made of steel and concrete. And it was like three stories tall and it was huge. And that made it safe from the Oklahoma tornadoes. And it was a big deal at the time that like, Oh my goodness, it's being made of steel and concrete. This is going to be around for a long time. Oh, yeah. holy shit. And I have found pictures of the theater all decked out because back in the day, this would be the one theater in town where they would show the big releases and the big movies. And, and there are pictures out there, and it's just absolutely incredible. Here's uh, for those of you watching at the video somewhere, this is what the theater looks like now. And it's really pretty, but oh yeah. man, back in the day, back in the day, this the I found pictures of the theater all decked out for Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. You know? Just one best picture. So come on down to see Lawrence of Arabia on our big screen. And and the, the great thing about the picture is that it's like a it's like a black and white picture, but you can see like a row of like 15 kids' bikes of kids from town who have bicycled to go see Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> you know, we're going to go see this. Oh, and also I found a great black and white photograph of, of the, the entire front decked out for the premiere of the birds. Yeah. It, it, uh, so cool. The real historic and important part of this town's history. Wow. Uh, the theater lasted for a really long time, but get ready for some big time Shyamalan twists in the story, okay? Well, let me just say that so far, 
I, I don't see why nobody's made a movie out of this yet. This sounds like a perfect movie, like a nice period piece set in the time. You know, a theater yeah. war in a small western town. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it would be yeah, no, charming. Yeah, no, this is this is an amazing story, and I absolutely love it. This is the theater. And it's got a real big screen, and it's got a stage in front of it. For those of you who are just listening, my apologies, but just Google Hornbeck Theater, Shawnee, Oklahoma. There are pictures that are out there. And when you when you would go into it now, there are there are uh, parts of the roof that look really crappy, and the seats are really old, and the carpeting is kind of ripped up. And most people go into this and they go, "Oh, what a shitty theater." But me being me, I go into this theater and it's like, God damn it, I can feel the fucking history in this theater. You know, I can I I walk in and it's just if I really pay attention and close my eyes, like I can see what this theater used to look like. And it's just amazing. And so, okay, in 1947, uh, as the Hornbeck Theater is opening to rave reviews jake jones senior dies okay he passes on but this being the midwest he uh, jones home folks theater company is passed on to his son and daughter johnny jones johnny jones and ruby jones and they go okay uh, we're stephanie and shane mcmahon yeah yeah, and they go, we're going to run this, we're going to run the, the theater company right. We're going to run it just like Dad would have wanted. We're going to do things that Dad would have wanted. And so they continue on with the Jones Theaters. Eventually, they drop the home folks part. And it's just Jones Theaters. So in 1952, Griffin Theaters expands and becomes the Video Independent Theater Company Incorporated. And so so they expand out of Shawnee and they go, we are going to own a number of theaters, but we are going to give the the day-to-day operations to the people who already own the theaters. And so we're going to have a bunch of theaters and we're going to hold them and we're just going to expand and get bigger and bigger. And so that's 1952. Griffin Theaters expands. But two years after that, Mayor Adam Hornbeck is now an ex-mayor. Uh-huh. He's, he isn't voted in and he's not the mayor anymore. And suddenly he's looking around and he's like, I'm not mayor, but I own a controlling share in this massive movie theater company. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it, like, like it was cool to be the mayor who owned a theater company. Yeah. And it was nice to be in this like right and like Jones Theaters would open up a new theater and they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna open up a drive-in. And oh yeah, then Jones Theaters would go, oh yeah, we're gonna open up a second movie theater. And then Griffin Theaters would go, oh yeah, second drive-in. Shawnee had two drive-ins at one yeah. point. One of them I could have walked to in the 70s and 80s. I could have walked to that drive-in. But anyway. Uh, former mayor Adam Hornbeck is like, I don't 
I own a controlling share in this massive movie company. I'm not the mayor anymore. I don't know if I want to do this. So he goes, you know what? I'm going to sell my controlling shares. And who does he sell his shares to? Freaking Ruby and Johnny buy the shares. So Griffin Theaters became Video Independent Theater Company Incorporated, which is then bought by Jones Theaters. Oh, in man. 1954, Dick Jones Sr. is dead, but Jones Theaters wins the Shawnee Theater War. And now Jones Theaters owns all of the theaters and all of the drive-ins, including the majestic Hornbeck Theater, which is still named after a mayor that no one remembers. And 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 they said, oh yeah, we're gonna treat this thing great. We're gonna treat it right in the in the in the fifties. They updated it with cinema scope and all new stereo sound. You're gonna be blown away by stereo. Yes. And back then, he, this is this is what I find fascinating. When it was first opened, there was a huge balcony. And it was one big theater, one big, massive theater. I've got an image to explain it. So this was the theater, and there was a balcony. But when the 70s rolled around, it wasn't cool. It, it was starting to not get cool to just have one theater. Yeah. In your theater. And they're like, we need more theaters, but we can't build a second theater in this big, massive concrete thing. So they shut down for about two months and they closed down the balcony. They made a wall and turned their balcony into a small second theater. Okay. So starting from 1973, there was the Hornbeck Theater on the bottom and their balcony was a smaller second theater, which they called the penthouse. Okay. <laughs> and let me tell you, the horn, the penthouse was definitely built in the no legroom at all. If you are if you are five eleven or above, yeah, do not sit in the penthouse. There's just <laughs> no god. I barely have legroom. I'm 5'8", yeah. so I can't imagine what it's like. But I, I really had a, when, when the Hornback Theater shut down, I was like, I'm going to go see one last movie in the big screen. And, and what they did was they showed for their last week Goonies in the big screen, but they showed Back to the Future in the penthouse. Yeah. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, I was hoping to see Back to the Future in the big screen. Maybe I should go see two movies and go see Goonies in the big screen and then Back to the Future in the penthouse. But I really don't like the Goonies. Yeah. I, I liked it when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11. But now I'm in my 40s and it's just like, kids, where are your parents? They should be taking better care of you. So, um, so, uh, I saw so many movies there. My my wife and I, for one of our anniversaries, we went to go see Once Upon a Deadpool. Yeah. Which was a 
PG-13 version of Deadpool 2, and we saw it in the penthouse, and we had some some drinks beforehand, and it was just so much fun. And so here's the crazy part. So, okay, so uh, Jones Theaters is running all the theaters, and then in the 70s, Ruby Jones gets out of the, the theater game and sells her shares to her brother's son. Okay. So now, from the 70s on, a literal father-son team is running Jones Theaters. And then in the 90s, um, Johnny Jones dies, and now just the son is running Jones Theaters, and eventually he gets old, and before he dies, he gives ownership of Jones Theaters to his stepson, David, who now still runs fucking Jones Theaters. <laughs> Jones Theaters thing. They own all three theaters in town. Wow. And it's so weird because like, like now just two theaters but still those two theaters are still run by jones theaters which is still a fucking thing and it's goddamn amazing see now instead of a movie i'm seeing a mini series because we're spanning some time here except that yeah except that we extend it into space Okay. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to tell you. There's a rumor that there are two ghosts who live in the Hornbeck Theater. Oh. oh, oh, oh. That that a couple died, and their ghost haunts the Hornbeck Theater. I had heard about that, and then I forgot about it until I went to the Hornbeck on the last night to see Back to the Future, and right there in the front row were two. What a couple came dressed as a ghost story ghost. Oh, yeah. And the holes in their eyes and they were there and they were the hornbed ghost and I was like, that's adorable. Yes. You know, like, oh, I'm gonna miss this. But yeah, four generations of the same family have run all of the movie theaters in town since like 1911. I love history and my small town. Sure, it's not the best on account of the racism and the crime and the meth, but this town has movie theaters and they're just dripping with history. And so uh, there was a drive-in on uh, Harrison Street and then Jones Theaters, when they got control of this drive-in, they said, you know what? We're going to open a three-screen movie theater across the street from the drive-in. Okay. So that during the day, you can go see, during the day, you can go see movies in this theater, but at night, you can go to the drive-in. And then the drive-in closed down, and then they got the three-screen movie theater and say, let's add more screens. And that's the eight-screen movie theater that I go to all of the time. <laughs> and, it, and it just blows my mind, the history that is just all over here. And and like I almost teared up saying goodbye to the Hornbeck Theater. I told I told Amber that like movie theaters are basically my churches. Yeah. 
movie theaters are the closest I will get to going to a church or a cathedral. And like, I I was really choked up saying goodbye to the Hornbeck Theater. I haven't felt this way since they closed the Seneca Pre-Theater in Phoenix. But that one was built in the 60s and closed in the 90s. This is the, the Hornbeck Theater was built in the 40s and closed down in 2020. Like, God damn, golf clap for you. Fascinating (laughs) bit of history. Shame to see it closed down. Hopefully it gets bought by some company or bought by the city. And at the very least, I hope they still open it up for Halloweens and stuff like that. Because every Halloween, like, like last Halloween, they opened the Ritz up and showed Beetlejuice. At the Hornbeck, they showed Teen Wolf. And at the community center, they showed the original The Wolfman. Yeah. Okay. And and so it's going to be sad to see. Hopefully they still open up the Hornbeck every Halloween and show something. Like, hopefully they'll open it up and show Bride of Frankenstein or something. But anyway, that's the story of my town's movie. Yeah, that's the story of my town's movie theaters and the movie theater war. Yes. A fascinating bit that nobody knows about because nobody gives a shit about Shawnee, Oklahoma, but this is an incredible story. You know? Yes, it is. And uh, more people should know about it. And that's what uh, Shap's all about. Um, Next week on Shap. I'm saying movie or miniseries. This story needs to be out there. Yeah, this this is a huge, huge story. Anyway, next week we'll be talking about the Mission Impossible franchise and all of the bombs that, that happened. Yes. Literal bombs. Mission Impossible bombs is what okay. we will be talking about. I just learned about it, and it's amazing. Uh, so join us next week for more historically entertaining education with Steve Sessoric approximations. And cut on that. Funny! Cut on that. Yes! We still have a movie to get to, but before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? Should we? Should we? We, we yeah, should take a break. Maybe. We should. T- but but you right. can't really we talk about right. you can't really talk about Mission Impossible Without talking about Matt, about Martin Landau telling off an MTV interviewer when the first one came out. Okay. Do you uh, remember I'll that? See if I can work. No, not at all. You don't remember that? Because no, but I because it's the opening of a Mission Impossible movie, and he's Martin Landau. It's the first one, so he shows up at the premiere. And he's and he's getting interviewed, and he's like, "Wait, you don't know who I am, do you?" <laughs> he's, oh, he's like, right. okay, "No, so huh?" Okay, I wrote that down. I'll definitely try and work <laughs> that into my stuff next week. Yeah, because uh, we'll be talking about the first three Mission Impossible movies, and then the bombs. But uh, but yes, we will be right back with more of the Pope on film after this. Do 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 and break. 
Remember these guys? God, it's been forever. Haven't seen them for years. This guy. Oh, we like to pretend that he's trying to crawl under some barbed wire or something like that. But even as kids, we always knew his story. See, he's never alone. He's always with this guy. Don't ask, don't tell. Forrest Gump. So, Riley, how was the first day of school? Fine, I guess. Did you guys pick up on that? Sure mm -hmm. did. Something's wrong. Signal the husband. <clears throat> Uh-oh, she's looking at us. What did she say? Oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What is it, woman? What? Joy. This is sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. Uh, and that's fear. Ah! We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Great. Joy, no. Let's wait. Go. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. Ah! <laughs> Can I say that curse word now? What do we do now? Nothing's working. Why isn't it working? We have a major problem. Oh, I wish Joy was here. We can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters. That's long-term memory. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. What was that? Was it a bear? There are no bears in San Francisco. I saw a really hairy guy. He looked like a bear. This place is huge. Imagination land? No way. Dream Productions? Rainbow Unicorn. She's right there. I loved you in Fairy Dream Adventure Part 7. Okay, bye. I love you. You can't focus on what's going wrong. There's always a way to turn things around. It's Brockley. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. with more of the Pope on film. Act three, money! Act three. Act three. Yes. Well, Act honey, my friend, it is three. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on film to casually stroll on down to the third and final act of the show. And for the uninitiated out there, the third act is when we finally get around to discussing our low-fat, high-in-fiber, and now with 100% less glass shards, movie of the week! 
And this week, we continue our annual visit into beautiful, scenic Bunny Williams's head with a series of movies artisanally handpicked by Bunny himself. And this week, it is the 1974 African-American comedy Uptown Saturday Night. Now, yeah. Bunny, last week you and you casually mentioned near the end of the show that you loved this movie as a kid growing up. Yeah. See, now, okay, before I get into it, okay, uh, can, you, can you, you get into it? No, before you get, I just like to, when you said that, I imagine that it's the 70s and your friends are all, hey, buddy, want to come to my house and listen to some Bay City Rollers 8 tracks? And you're like, no. There's a Yafet Kodo film playing. <laughs> I'm going to go check out this new Yafet Kodo drama that's playing in Soho. So, okay, Bunny, elaborate for us. Why this film? So, so Okay, so now before that, though, I, I just want to see if you can give me a, a five-star rating, like a one out of five star. What did What did you think? Oh, this is this was fun as shit. Okay, love that. Love get out of this movie. This was just fun. This was just fun. I had a blast with I'm, this film. I'm not sure. This, this, this fun. I'm not sure how young I was. Um, I'm gonna say somewhere between nine and eleven, which is kind of a hell of a jump. But when it when it ran on HBO for the, it's like its HBO run, I watched it like constantly, and I fucking loved this movie. And then like I kind of totally forgot about it after its run, until a few years ago, and I started trying to find Upside Side of the Night, and I couldn't find it anywhere, you know, and like. I think it's a good movie. Okay? It's it's a movie I'm going to wind up watching again. I know it. You know? But I'm not quite sure it's, it's what just was a simple it's, it's just a really simple premise. Two regular working class guys yeah. looking for something to fill their heads. You yeah. know? Like like man, everybody can relate to that. Yeah. I've I I've seen a lot of uh, I'll mention this later, but like this is Sidney Poitier in his most relatable role I've ever seen him in. Yeah. You know, he's not like a policeman fighting racism. He's not a stern teacher. He's a steel worker. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, no, it's just such a simple premise. He's a regular guy with a regular wife, and he and Bill Cosby work fucking very well together. I love that whole scene in the bar yeah. where it was like, you're, you're going to sneak out. You're going to wait until your wife falls asleep and sneak out, aren't you? And they go back and forth until it comes down. Basically, they're both going to sneak out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, as I usually lately try to start it out, what are your thoughts on this film? What are your preliminary thoughts on this film, on this movie, buddy? 
I, I liked it. I'm just not. I'm just not sure how I was connecting with it as a kid. Like I, I, I kind of remember it being a much more serious comedy than it is. Yeah. You know, so, so I like it. You know, I, I, I watched it when I downloaded it, when I found it. I, you know, it wasn't like drudgery. It's like, oh, I, I get to watch Uptown Saturday Night the night before the show. You know, I, 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 I'm just having a bit of trouble rectifying what this movie is to what I thought this movie was. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. So... Okay, Uptown Saturday Night. Like this I like I remember this. Written... Like I remember this almost like like Die Hard funny. You know, <laughs> like it was a lot rougher of a movie with laughs in it. And no, it's really not. <laughs> it's yeah, just I, a fucking I, I comedy. Guess... I got so hyped up when I realized that Silky Slim was the Reverend Cotton Comes to Harlem. Which one? Which we saw this time last year. Last year for October, you picked nothing but uh, uh, exploitation films. Right. And like I, I had seen Shaft and Shaft Goes to Africa and Black Bell Jones, and it, but. And uh, put your weight on it. Yes. Where is Bucky, and what has he had? But yes. like I didn't know black exploitation films. You really gave me like a like a school in black exploitation. So much so that when I saw Uptown Saturday Night, I'm like, wait a second, the bad guy Silky Slim is played by the bad Reverend from Cotton Comes to Harlem. Oh shit! <laughs> We're coming full circle here. Really impressive. This was obviously just a test of my black exploitation knowledge. Good on you, Bunny. I passed the test. <laughs> yes, so, okay. This movie, I really like Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier in this film. And at first I was like, we're going to see a Bill Cosby film. I'm going to be uncomfortable with it. The way that I justified it in my head is that this was Bill Cosby when he was still young and talented before he needed to drug people. Yes. Yes. But, but like, like, okay, so he is a, a, a creepy son of a bitch. But he, uh, that being said, two of them are really good together in this movie. He still has an you edge know, of sort of. He still has an edge of black on him in this movie. Yes. Yes, very much so. Very much so. But he, he, he they are really good together. And I really like uh, Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier. This is a really good pairing. And it also, like, it, it also feels like, hey, here's Sidney Poitier. And in, in the friendship, he's the serious, straightest one. And here's Bill Cosby, the one who usually gets into trouble. Yeah. And Sidney Poitier, goes to his friend who's trouble and together they get into a bunch of trouble and that's just a relatable duo experience that I've seen in a bunch of other movies and these two do really well and I really like them together but I was kind of disappointed to learn that this movie was originally written 
for Richard Pryor and Red Fox. Really? But the studio heads didn't think they were famous enough. They weren't. It's like, damn, I would have liked that so much more. Like Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier, they do a great job in this movie, but yeah. god damn it, Richard Pryor and Red Fox and Uptown Saturday Night would have been fucking great. Yeah. And at this point in time in their careers, you know, still young and hungry and hot, you know? Like that yeah. would have been a great freaking movie. That would have been wonderful. I, I just um, wanna I just wanna they, finish my thought on Bill Cosby before I go before go too far yes. astray. Yes. This Bill Cosby yeah. You know, you could just feel it from him. He's got an understanding from the streets. You know? Yeah. He knows the streets. This is different from Dr. Phil Huxtable. Yeah. Dr. Phil Huxtable, Bill Cosby, can't see the streets with a fucking pair of binoculars and Doppler radar. That's all I'm trying to (laughs) say there. Yeah. And then when I see Uptown Saturday Night, when I when I see that in the title, I think, oh, this will be a good film about New York. Yeah, this will, this will be a good film about New York, about Brooklyn. But apparently this is a New York where five minutes away, you're driving through treacherous streets on top of a mountain in L.A., which <laughs> is a part of New York that I didn't know about. <laughs> And so I'm like, oh, man, what an exciting conclusion. Wait, where the fuck are they? Where in New York are these treacherous roads? Yeah. That they're going to fall off a cliff, off a bridge. I'm confused. (laughs) You have to get up to the Poconos. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Richard Pryor's cameo is great. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely loved that entire scene, and he's he is my he is my ace in the hole because I was like, this is a really good movie. I don't know how we would be able, however, to do our new reoccurring segment. Can we Thor to it? Can we Thor to it? Where we try and come up with a bad sequel to each movie that we watch, a la Thor to the Dark World, and that's where it hit me. We don't for to it, Bunny. Yes. We big Lebowski it and give a sequel to uh, Sharp Eye Washington. Just like the Jesus rolls. We give Richard Pryor his own film. Okay. I want to see more of his character. That's where you get the sequel. Have you here's a here here's 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 a question for you, Bunny. Have you seen the other two? I I've seen Let's Do It Again, which I really didn't like because that oddly, as a child, I felt that one was too silly compared to the first one. You know, that's the one with JJ. Yes, that's the one with JJ in it. Yeah, as that's a prize JJ. fighter. Okay, and I I only found out fairly recently that there was a third one. The third one was the acting 
gig that Sidney Poitier did for like decades. And he's like, I'm going to stop acting for a while and I'm just going to direct. I'm going to be a director. So yeah, the uh, a piece of the action. I want to James Earl Jones in it. Hmm. I did my research. So uh, yeah, I really like uh, Sidney Poitier. His range is amazing because when I think Sidney Poitier, I, I think I think authority figure, but he does a really good, just like normal, blue collar, hardworking man. You know? Yeah. And also, I would also like to take this time to say that the old Warner Brothers logo has been completely ruined by the fucking Joker. It's just, <laughs> it has been ruined by Joker's white male rage. Oh no, life is so hard for straight white males. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you, Joker movie. <laughs> but I, I, I like this film. It, it was fun and breezy. Uh, I really felt that scene after the nightclub where they're falling asleep in church. Yeah. I really felt that. When I turned 21, I was still a reader at church. So I was 21 years old, but I was still like uh, doing like uh, the first reading of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. And uh. like they liked at church and they would ask me to come in and read for them and like hey can you come in and do the Christmas Eve mass and, and all of this sort of stuff but then I was a lapsed Catholic because I was 21 so I started drinking and I found out about uh, this uh, bar in the warehouse district of Phoenix that not a lot of people knew about because it was it was in the warehouse district and the only people who worked there were women in lingerie Okay. And so, and so my parents would be like, we're so proud of you, Stevie, for still going to church. Here's $20 in case you want to go out with friends after work, after after church. And I'd go, thanks, mom and dad. I will take this money. We'll probably go to Denny's afterwards. And then I'm driving to church and I'm 21 years old. And I'm like, I can go to church or go to that bar with the lingerie ladies. And that's <laughs> when I stopped going to church. Yeah. So I, but there was a small period in time when I would go early, like, oh, they want me there early. And then I'd go and get a drink and then go to church. Okay. So, so 21 was really the tipping point for me. So I really felt the whole like in church, just, you know, yeah, almost about to knock out. And also, uh, uh, well, that's that's Catholicism. That's why they have you yeah. get up and kneel and shit like that. It's to keep you awake. Yeah, to pay attention. Yeah, when my when my grandfather died, all of the cousins were in church, and uh, my brother leaned over to me and he's like, "Oh shit, Stevie, I forgot all the moves." Yeah. I forgot that in church there are, there's choreography. Yes. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Do you know the moves? And I was like, not off the top of my head, but I feel like it's like riding a bike. Yeah. And like when the comes, I'm pretty sure I'll know it. So it was. Well, really you just gotta really, we you just gotta really observe the people around you. I I yeah, was Catholic for a short period of my life. 
got to watch them around you. But the problem was, was that it was like a funeral. So the entire family was sitting up at the front. Yeah. And so we're in row one. All of the grandkids are in row one. And it's really weird because like I'm there and oh, sad moment, ready to pray. And I turn and look and there's like 12 cousins all looking at me. Yeah. So I can cue them for when to stand and kneel and stuff. Oh. And it's like, shit, I hope I know the moves. Okay. No, you watch the the other guy. So it's kind of like. Stand, stand. Okay, we're going for a stand. We're going for a stand. Oh, oh, no, fuck. It's a kneel. It's a kneel. And you're and you're like all yeah. the way stood up, and now you have to go and kneel. You know. The one thing that this movie is that uh, I think that Harry Belafonte could have done the part better without doing a Marlon Brando impression. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, like, you don't have to have the cotton in your mouth. You don't have to be doing the voice. Harry Belafonte is an amazing person. You don't have to do a Brando for this role. Just do it, you know? But it did make it like, silly. It, and yeah, that's what they were going for. I knew that Marlon Brando was in the movie, so when his character showed up, I'm like, that can't be. Is, is, <laughs> I, I knew that... Uh, that Harry Belafonte was in the movie, but then when that character showed up, I'm like, is that Harry Belafonte? Like, virtually unrecognizable. Yeah. Because his face is all fat, he's doing a voice, I'm like, is this him? Is it was him? hard to tell. That was so I thought, I thought Harry yeah. Belafonte was one of, the, one, one of the robbers. I thought, like, I looked on Wikipedia, and it said that like here is who Harry Belafonte plays, and so when they find him, it's like, are you blank? And he says yes. I figured that Harry Belafonte was actually in the back room, and this was the guy pretending to be the yeah. bo- the the boss. Yeah. In fact, the real boss is in the back. Harry Belafonte would come out and be like, boys, boys, boys. Come on in. Let's talk business. But it's like, no, it was him doing like this weird ass caricature. And it... do you want to explain the plot, Bunny? I feel like you already did, but this is the point. Oh the no, I, I don't where... think I don't think we actually have gone through the plot. Um, yeah, no. Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby are both your average working Joes. Each have a wife. Go out after work. Have a couple of drinks. They're steel workers. Um, and Bill Cosby talks Sidney Poitier into going to this fancy schmancy nightclub whose name I keep forgetting. Yes. Because it's the person's name. Zan. Zan something. Yeah. Zanadu. Yeah, something like that. So they go to this nightclub. It's a high-end nightclub. They they have to have a... They, they forged a letter from an important person so that they could show to the door to get into this club. It's a really fucking exclusive club. And there's gambling in the back and there's hookers and things like that. And they're having a good time at this club. Uh, Then uh, a gang of gunmen break in, dressed all in black with black hoods. Not hoods. Almost like nylon. 
you know, masks. Yeah. And they rob the place, and they all get robbed. Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier have to go home. And then Sidney Poitier finds out the next day that he hit the lotto or lottery. He, he basically hit the numbers. This was basically illegal at the time. He hit the numbers. Yeah. So he was now rich, but his ticket was in the wallet that was stolen the night before. So that launches us yeah. into the movie, and from there, it's it's basically a journey through the comic underground uh, to recover this ticket. Basically, it. yeah, yeah. No, that's a great that's a, that's a great summary of the plot. Fun fact, not so fun fact, horrible fact. My father uh, in the 70s had this big bushy beard, 70s and part of the 80s. He had this big bushy beard and uh, big ears and a big old man nose. And he, he, I thought as a child that he looked a lot like Bill Cosby, that, he, that my father looked uncannily like a brown Bill Cosby, like a Mexican Bill Cosby. <laughs> and when I was younger, I would tell my dad that and he would get angry. Why? Because my dad was racist and hated black people. Okay. My dad was not not the best person in the world. <laughs> That's why I decided to wear this Black Matter shirt while recording this. Fun fact, this film cost roughly $2.5 million to make and grossed over $7 million box office and another almost $7 million in video rentals. So nice. this was a huge hit that came out. And they made two other films which people call a trilogy Despite the fact that in each film, uh, Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier play different characters, it's still considered a trilogy of their films together. Yeah, yeah, like you would like Which, like you would group all the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movies together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's yeah. There you go. Yeah, but it's a funny film. Great performances. I, I found the second one. Let's do it again on YouTube, and I'm going to see that. Uh, I put it on my watch later playlist. It's really cute. Even our favorite savage movie reviewer, the New York Times Vincent Canby, gave a positive review to this movie. Yeah. So yeah. Even, even even the most savage movie reviewer that we're big fans of liked this movie a lot. So that's good. I really I I, I really did like this. This was fun. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna wind up watching it again. I'm gonna watch it a, f a few times. I mean, like I say, it's a it's a good movie. I'm just kind of rattled that it's not the movie that I thought it was. You know, yeah. so that just like yeah. has me thrown off. How did I yeah. think this was serious? How, how you know? But at the same time, like Huggy Bear was on TV. Rooster from Beretta was on TV. Why wouldn't I buy into these characters as more legitimate characters than they were? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For a child's I, I, brain. I think I'm working it out, man. I think I'm working it out. 
<laughs> I, I can understand seeing this very silly movie, but like when you're younger, thinking that it's a lot more serious because it's, you know, yeah. going through the like the underbelly of the city and crime and all of that and the police are after someone. I can see someone thinking that this was more serious than it actually was. I can yeah. totally see that. Yeah. Yeah, so my brain so is my brain is having a hard time making that shift to like it's just a screwball comedy. It's just it's yeah. Yeah. and it's funny. It's funny as shit. But but like my brain keeps thinking, no, this is something else. Oh, See, I if I was nuts, if I was nuts, I would insist on that's what it was and blame the Mandela effect. Yeah, there you go. I I loved the scene where they go into the bar and they beat this guy up and look for some uh, uh, mobster, and then when they finally find the mobster and the mobster's muscle, Bill Cosby is just trying to like use his mouth to get out of the situation, and he's talking about it. And suddenly he's he's trying to pretend like he's a badass, and then suddenly here's this big muscle. Okay, well, sir, you see, I'm a veteran, and uh, I, 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 I black out sometimes, and I think I'm someone else. Yeah. And he just tries to talk his way out of the situation for, like, a good couple of minutes. Yes. And it's like, oh, that whole scene, loved. That whole scene. Love the entire scene. It and took then, me, like, Bill Cosby. It took me just until last night, what, last night's view, for me to realize that Sidney Portier's wife is Rosalind Cash from the Omega Man. Yes. And from Pope on yes. Film Early Edition, Special Edition. She was in that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think uh, we've I don't think we've ever done Omega Omega Man, but this is at least now her second appearance on the Pope on Film. Nice, nice, nice catch there. Yeah, so that's all I've got for this week's movie. It was good. It was fun. I believe the full thing is on YouTube. I believe all three of the movies in the trilogy are on YouTube right now. Yeah, son of yeah. a bitch. Anybody, anybody wants to check those out? Because I was looking for the trailer so I can put it in the background while we talked about it, and one of the first things that popped up was, you want the whole movie? And I'm like, no, it's a trailer. Thank you. Well, something must have... So then I'm have... like, oh, if you have... Well, something must have happened fairly it, I... recently, because just fucking last night, I was like, I, I, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I came across an ad for all three movies for like nine ninety nine. Hmm. And it Strange. was like, what the fuck? We're doing that show to that movie tomorrow. That's weird. That is really weird. Nobody has discussed this movie in forever. We decided to yeah. put it on the show. Suddenly, it's all over the fucking place again. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. We're just we're tastemakers. We're tastemakers. Mm -hmm. That's just how mm -hmm. it works. Uh, ahead of the curve, Pope on film. <laughs> yes, fact. So, so, so that was fun, and I really liked that, Bunny. Yes, but what 
are we doing next week? Okay. Um, about to find out what we're really I, I, doing. I, I really, I really was kind of expecting you to talk more about this movie this week uh, than you did. You kind of alluded to it, but we are doing the, I believe it was 1978 May West film, Sextet. That's what I was mentioning when I when I was talking about 1976's Keep on Trucking. Yeah. Uh-huh. With, with the big cast and, and she doesn't know her lines. Ringo Starr, George Hamilton. I yeah. she 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 plays something like her character is like literally supposed to be like twenty-six or nineteen, somewhere in between <laughs> there. You know, it's just like a completely ridiculous age for Mae West to be playing. And I'm like, I, 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 I've got to see this movie. So when I was thinking about doing Mae West, it was like, but like, I, I didn't have enough good Mae West movies to make a whole fucking thing out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In, I was going to mention it last week when we did the Mae West movie, but then I came up with the with the idea of my top three Mae West movies where I could make fun of Sextet. Yeah. So I didn't mention Sextet during that movie, so I could oh. make fun of it. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen it before? I I I am aware of it. It's supposed yeah. to be one of the movies of all time because she doesn't know her lines at all because she's way too old to be in the movie. I was aware of it when it came out. Yeah, but then they hid the fact that she was too old by making it a star-studded comedy romp sort of thing where, like, let's do cameos and big musical numbers and that will hide the fact that, like, she's 88 and can't really act anymore. Yeah is the way that I always knew of the film. But no, I've never actually seen it or I've seen bits of it. I'm not so, even ooh. sure if I've ever really seen bits of it. Well, I must have seen bits of it when it came out. Because I'm sure yeah. they ran commercials. But I don't remember that. Oh, so this is exciting. We're going back to May West. Fuck the police. We're going back to May West. Yep. All right. That's exciting. That is exciting. I'm excited to finally watch this movie. I have been working really hard lately to download as many of the IMDb bottom 100 as I can. Yeah. Okay. Because I've because I remember back in the day, the IMDb bottom 100 list of the 100 worst movies of all time. Back in the day, Plan 9 from Outer Space was on there. Glenn or Glenda was on there. Bride of the Monster was on there. But from 1999 to 2019, so much shit has come out that there are no more Ed Wood movies on the bottom 100. <laughs> nice. So much shit has come out that like, Plan 9 from Outer Space is bad, but but uh, but what has come out since then? Yui uh, Boyle has come out. Uh, Cats. Britney Spears is Crossroad. The All White Dragon Ball Evolution. 
that Rollerball remake, Yo. Uh, Battlefield Earth, Pluto Nash, The Room. So I've been trying to download all of these really bad movies. And so I'm in like a real big bad movie focus right now. So oh. I'm really excited to see Sex Tat. Yes. So next week's going to be next week is going to be a good one. Now, so though, like I told you, it's going to be a it's going to be a very eclectic time. Just odd yeah, movies, yeah. little pockets, no particular theme. This is an odd time that we all find ourselves in. So, uh, yes. So it's okay. That is okay. So I'm excited for next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, so much excitement and drama and passion. Yes. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good week. This has been a pretty good episode. I think it's been a damn good episode. A damn yeah, good I, episode. I feel the same way. I, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> I didn't want... I, I feel that a person makes that distinction. I didn't want to step on your toes, but yes, I I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Natasha and Eleanor and Maxwell and everybody else in the house, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Nothing to say? Oh. And you quarantines. And you quarantines? Is that what you said? Okay. Do 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 do. Cut and print. And put it on a cookie. That's a wrap. <laughs>